0: Some call it bringing factory efficiency to the healthcare system, and as doctors and hospitals enter an era of healthcare reform that will demand high quality at a competitive price, Seattle Children's Hospital may have an answer using a moniker the Japanese know as Kaizen, but can it be replicated? You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and joining me today is Patrick Hagan. Mr. Hagen is President and Chief Operating Officer of Seattle Children's Hospital, where he has worked since 1996. For more than 25 years, he has held executive positions at children's hospitals in Ohio, Arizona, and Seattle. His career has built on adopting experiences not just from the healthcare field, but companies the likes of Toyota, Boeing, Genie, and other companies using continuous improvement principles and tools he has implemented at Seattle Children's. His work has been cited in the Washington Post, the New York Times, and he has spoken around the country on children's continuous improvement principles. We're so happy to have him join us from his offices in Seattle. Patrick Hagan, welcome to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals.
1: Thank you, Bruce. Good to be here.
0: Well, it's great to have you here because This seems to be a possibility for a lot of hospitals out there that are suddenly looking at reducing costs and trying to improve, and they're going to have to do this in this environment in healthcare. So tell us a little bit about this Kaizen and this process that you have out there.
1: Great. Well, I think you're right in the premise that there is great opportunity here for healthcare, I would argue, for almost any industry. Fundamentally, what it's about is it's philosophical in its origins. It's about focusing very clearly on who your customer is. In the case of healthcare, obviously, that would be your patient, maybe not so obviously, and supporting your people in their work. And those two things, focusing on the patient and supporting your people in their work, is basically animated by a relentless pursuit of waste, looking at all of those things that don't bring value to the patient or don't bring value in the way in which you support your people and trying to root that out. What that means for us, basically, is truly understanding the work that we're doing, understanding the sequence of work, mapping the processes associated with our work, and by so doing, eliminate those things that are obviously not productive, not adding to the overall experience, the overall positive experience of our patients. Those types of things include simple things like waiting, duplication of effort, and serious things like error. And as we remove those types of things from our processes, inevitably we create a safer environment, inevitably we improve the quality of our outcomes, the quality of our service, and just as inevitably as a byproduct of eliminating that kind of waste, we reduce our costs.
0: Well, could you walk me through a couple of examples? First of all, tell us when this started at Seattle Children's, perhaps where you got it from, and give us a couple of examples that our listeners might understand.
1: Well, we've been doing this for the better part of a decade. We started very, very slowly. This is actually its pretty radical, as you might imagine, to bring the lessons of other industries into any other industry, but particularly manufacturing industries into healthcare. Mm -hmm. And that's where we found it. We found it at Boeing, we found it at the Genie Company, which is a company that makes mechanical lifts and has a factory here in the Puget Sound area. And ultimately, we learned about these principles from Toyota. And we applied them here in the hospital setting at first in areas that were, shall we say, behind the scenes. So we would go to places like our receiving area, our loading dock, Mm -hmm. and see whether or not the principles could benefit us there. And we found, in fact, that they could. And ultimately, we brought these principles into play, this method of improvement into play in our clinical areas. So, for example, we have used the principles of continuous improvement to understand the sequence of work associated with seeing patients every day in the inpatient setting, a process known as rounds or rounding on patients. And over the years, we have fundamentally shifted the way in which patients and doctors and nurses interact in our inpatient units every day, and we've seen market improvements in both the, the quality of our service as measured by our family experience survey results but also in terms of the satisfaction and engagement of our nurses and doctors in the work that they're doing.
0: Can you give me some examples when you talk about the interactions? Like it could be as simple as what?
1: Well, it could be as simple as how are we communicating between families and members of the team throughout the course of the day. Mm -hmm. And so one of the fundamental principles of continuous improvement is that you use visual systems or visual cues In very, very basic ways. And so what we talk about here is that we want to improve our processes and use cans and strings in the way in which we're communicating before we begin to automate and use fancy information systems. And so what that looks like on a patient care unit here at Children's is that you'll see in every patient room whiteboards. Now, this isn't novel. It isn't something that any other hospitals are not doing. But what we try to do is to use it very basically for giving both families and team members, updates throughout the course of the day, throughout the course of the stay of the patient, on the patient's status, on the patient's criteria for leaving the hospital, and how they are progressing along their trajectory of care to the point of leaving the hospital.
0: And so they might just write, a doctor might write something on the whiteboard?
1: Absolutely. So people have roles to play in contributing information to the whiteboard, and so you'll get Commentary. you'll get information from doctors, you'll get questions from families, you'll get updates from nurses on the whiteboard. Very visible, very clear to everybody, much clearer than it perhaps used to be about the status of the patient and what direction the patient is going.
0: And the patient knows every step of the way what's going on as well.
1: Absolutely. And so that then translates into a bigger whiteboard in the patient care unit that shows the status of all the patients on a patient care unit. Ultimately, we translate that into something electronic so that we can take care of things like distance or uh, numerous transactions. But fundamentally, what we start with is a very visual system that shows the status of all patients readily accessible to all members of the team.
0: And could you give us some other examples? I know that some of the stories that have been written... You know, they talk about, hey, in a hospital, they're always stockpiling things. Maybe there's clutter around, or whatever. What? How do you? Deal well, so with
1: there, that? there are tools of continuous improvement known as 5s and known as kanban. So 5s is all about sorting and streamlining and straightening and keeping an area basically clean with a place for everything and everything in its place. And in healthcare, that's a great step up from the chaotic supply storage systems that caregivers are often confronted with. Kanban is the Japanese term that basically is translated as signal. And so we've combined the principles of five Sing, keeping everything straightened and everything in its place, with the principle of signaling our supply people in a very clear way, in a very routine way, on the supply needs of a patient care unit or of any other clinical area or non-clinical area in the hospital. And we call that process demand flow. It's something that, in fact, was highlighted in the New York Times article. And what we're able to do is, in a much more efficient way, provide supplies to our caregivers, to our staff throughout the institution, such that they quite literally are no longer waiting for supplies. The beauty of the system is that it takes much less space on the patient care units, and it takes much less space in our warehouse area to maintain supply levels, because as you get better at this, the number of supplies, the buffer of inventory that you require goes down dramatically
0: And my guess is that a caregiver, a doctor, nurse, might be able to grab an instrument quicker and result in uh, more direct and accurate procedure.
1: Absolutely. And so we do think this contributes to safety. We think it contributes to a much more productive uh, nursing staff, a much more productive physician staff, because one of the key wastes that we're attempting to eliminate is search time. So they know exactly where to go to get what they need, and 99.9% of the time and even higher, they're getting it. And so they not only don't have to search for it, they don't have to call Central Supply and ask them to search for it. They don't have to then wait for delivery. All of that contributes to, as I say, a much more productive but also a much more engaged clinical team. People are not getting frustrated. And so we both have improvements in the engagement of our people, but we're also, because we have higher levels of productivity, much more cost-effective than we otherwise would have been.
0: Well, if you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to Reach MD Radio and XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host. Joining me today is Patrick Hagan, who is the president of Seattle Children's Hospital, and we're talking about a program they have out there called Continuous Performance Improvement, which the Japanese call Kaizen. It's something that other industries use, Boeing and other companies, and it's worked to success. And Mr. Hagen, if you can tell us, how much have you saved? I mean, do you have measurable results on costs? Because unfortunately, there is always a bottom line in healthcare these days.
1: Well, there are three ways of looking at it. All of them very real. Some of them are mere calculations. The first one that's a mere calculation but is actually, I think, the most impressive is the degree to which we've been able to increase the occupancy level at which we operate and operate effectively. When we look at children's hospitals generally, when we look at our own experience over time, at the beginning of this process 10 years ago, operating on average at 70% occupancy was basically considered to be highly efficient. Now, that may not seem like a high number, but the nature of children's hospitals is such that there are a variety of hospitals within the hospital. There is a, a behavioral health unit, within which you cannot cross-mix patients with your neonatal unit or your newborn nursery, within which you cannot cross-mix patients in your cancer unit or your transplant unit. So it's very, very challenging to operate at a higher level of occupancy, and we thought 70% was a really good, effective, efficient level. Well, we now operate at 85%, 90% and above, and do it without canceling cases, without having long appointment waits without diverting patients, which is what sometimes happens in an operation where at higher levels of occupancy, you're seeing patients unable to be served because you're not efficient. So we now, for the sake of argument, let's just say we operate and we do at 85% and higher, but let's just say it's 85%. Well, in order to achieve the 70% occupancy level with the number of patients that we're seeing now, we would have to build 50 more beds. We have 250 beds Uh, We're seeing on average 210 to 220 patients in the hospital. If we were only operating at 70% occupancy, we'd have to build another 50 beds at a pretty dramatic cost in order to operate at that 70% occupancy level. We do not have to build those beds any longer because we are operating at a more efficient pace. What that translates into quite literally is $180 to $200 million of capital cost avoidance. And if you think about what this could mean for healthcare generally, if hospitals throughout the country can all, in in the same way that we have, improve the level of efficiency at which they're operating, you can save hundreds of billions of dollars on building fewer beds than we would otherwise have to build. In a more down-to-earth way, let me talk again about a capital project. We just recently built an ambulatory facility in Bellevue, Washington. Well, generally speaking, the process for that begins with a programming phase where architects are brought in and talk to everybody about, well, what would our patient volumes be in this new facility? What types of patients would we be seeing? And what types of services would we be providing? And in that process, architects basically interview folks and then come back to the organization's leadership with the proposal for the building. And they basically peg a square footage amount based on those interviews. And in our experience, the architects for this building came back and said, you know, we think this is going to require 105 to 110,000 square feet. We responded with, can't afford that, we might not be able to do this building. However, let's apply our CPI principles to this effort. And all that really means is that you bring the people involved in the work together such that on the front end, They're all asking questions, both about the design that the architects are proposing, but also, and this is very important, fundamentally about the sequence of work that will be taking place within that facility. And within the context of questioning what the sequence of work will be, you look at very basic principles like, well, within that sequence of work, who needs to be seeing each other? What's the line of sight? Within that sequence of work, what processes or functions need to be nearby as opposed to 100 feet down the hallway? And as we went through that process of putting like functions or sequential functions closer together, creating line of sight for team members, for patients and families, we inevitably, again, began to take waste out of the processes. And what we ended up with was a building that instead of being 110,000 square feet, was 75,000 square feet in size. And because everybody was involved in the process, It was something that everybody supported and didn't feel like things had been cut to achieve that reduction. And so that ended up saving us, in a very real way, $20 million. And so that was very, very powerful
0: for us. Well, with that, I'd like to thank Patrick Hagen, who has been our guest. He's the President and Chief Operating Officer of Seattle Children's Hospital, where they have implemented continuous improvement principles, something the Japanese call Kaizen. It's been used at other industries, and it's gaining momentum in healthcare thanks to their work at Seattle Children's Hospital, where you just heard here, they have saved tens of millions of dollars. You've been listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and I would like to thank you for joining us today. Reach MD online, on demand, and on the air. Please check us out at ReachMD.com. And I'd like to thank you today for listening.